Hi there. My name is John Dowling. I'm a sophomore at Syracuse University, go SU. I'm a major in uh, broadcast and digital journalism, and I like to talk about sports a lot. It's a passion of mine. And I decided to go into the podcasting world. So let's see how this works out. This is show number one, so I'm very new to this. But I, f I have a feeling I'm going to enjoy the journey. I hope you will too. Welcome to Off the Dome. So this is predominantly going to be a sports podcast. Uh, so if you're looking for commentary on the White House or keeping up with the Kardashians, unfortunately, you've arrived at the wrong place. That being said, I will occasionally talk about, you know, pop culture. And I'm a big hip hop fan, so I'll probably delve into that a little bit, you know, when I see fit or when I feel like I know enough about it. Uh, that opening interlude beat was by my good friend John Lauer. You can check him out on SoundCloud at JLau. That's J-L-A-U. He's got a lot of great beats on there. And uh, while we're on this kind of housekeeping area of the show, I wanted to bring up the logo. Um, listen, I'm not a great artist, you know, with drawing. I mean, I feel like I can write pretty well, but that's a whole different thing. And... Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm i not someone who's really great at drawing. I probably would have gone to NYU or somewhere like that. Although, let's face it, probably wouldn't have gone to NYU because who can honestly afford that? Um, But, I mean, if any of my, you know, more artistic friends want to tackle the logo, I mean, I kind of want to keep that general theme of what it looks like. Um, But if anybody wants to take a take a crack at it, please do. God, please do. It's It looks brutal. Uh, I try my best, but again, not a great artist. So today, on the first show, we'll be talking about the NBA playoffs. It's a great time of the year, one of my favorite times of the year. Not only because it's the beginning of summer, but also because I love basketball, love the NBA. Uh, today, we'll mostly go over the Eastern Conference. Uh, but before we do that, I do want to just touch on the NBA for a minute. I just feel the league is in an excellent place right now. You know, it's just, it's so great. The, the the game we're watching is just awesome. There are a lot of people that will criticize that, but, you know, because, yeah, it's not the bird magic 80s, you know. It's not the Jordan-dominated 90s. But LeBron's league right now, and, yeah, let's let's be real here. It's LeBron's league. It's not anyone else's. Yeah, Russ has a good year. Yeah, James Harden's had a good year. But this is this is LeBron's league. Uh, it's in a really interesting time, you know, in the NBA. We're in we're in kind of I guess if I had to throw a name on it, I would say the the super team era. You know, you got a lot of teams that are trying to just put a lot of you know superstars in one place, and you know it's just a really interesting time. I saw a great stat yesterday, um, tweeted out by SportsCenter. 13 players this season have averaged 25 or more points per game, which is wild. I'll rattle them off for you in case you don't know. LeBron, Anthony Davis, Steph Curry, Kawhi Leonard, Isaiah Thomas, Damian Lillard, DeMar DeRozan, DeMarcus Cousins, Carl Anthony Towns, Kyrie Irving, KD, Kevin Durant, and the two MVP candidates, Russell Westbrook and James Harden. 
Now, a lot of people would probably say, well, no one plays defense like they did in the 80s or no one plays defense like they did in the 90s. But I don't think that's quite true. I think we're seeing some great athletes. I mean, it's not easy to defend a guy like Russell Westbrook. When that dude's coming at you at 80 miles an hour down the lane, I mean, yeah, you're probably going to get out of the way for your own safety, you know? So I don't I don't believe and, – and how are you going to guard a guy like LeBron? I mean, really? You know, nobody's figured out how to do it so far. So, you know, Kawhi Leonard and Andre Iguodala can do it for a series sometimes. But even then, he's, the guy still averages a near triple-double. You know, it, it, it's very hard to defend guys in the league right now. Um, but that's, you know, enough about that. Uh, I mean, continuing with the NBA, though, I mean, Russ is battling, fighting, got that triple-double record. Um, average first one since Oscar Robertson to average triple-double. Also broke Robertson's record for the most triple-doubles in a season. Yeah, he had a lot of turnovers, sure. But it's still pretty impressive to have, you know, affect the game in that many ways. And I love players like that. I love players that affect game, the game from all different standpoints that aren't just, you know, I'm a, I'm a you know, I mean, sure, role players and, you know, certain types of players are great, you know, like 3 and D guys, you know, and uh, rebounding guys, shot blockers. Yeah, th- those are great role players. But I love a guy that can just have, do everything, you know. And Russ has shown that he can do that because he just never stops, ever. I'm talking right now at almost 10 o'clock on a Friday. He's probably doing something. He's probably in the gym. He's probably, you know, running around still. I mean, that's how Russ is. And he's had a pretty phenomenal year. Um, I mean, what else? Colton State. You know, I mentioned the super team era. We we thought it was crazy when LeBron, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh got together a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. Now look at now look at the league. Now look at us. We've got we've got the Warriors. It's just crazy. You've got four guys that are in the top twenty in the league. You know, top twenty, top twenty five in their position. I mean, it's it's insane. Clay and Steph are breaking three-point records every year. Steph's hitting like 300, 400 threes every season. Clay will have one of those games every once in a while where he breaks the record for the most points in a quarter. Or, you know, his his hot games are just unlike anybody else's. And we've got a lot of a lot of teams like that. Well, maybe not like the Warriors, but we got a lot of a lot of super teams, a lot of interesting teams. We got a lot of new stars, new players that are just, or you know, young guys. I mean that are really just affect the game in ways that I don't think we've seen a lot before. You know, we got Giannis. Uh, you know, I'll touch on him a little a little later, later the Greek freak. Uh, you know, Anthony Davis, DeMarcus Cousins, these new stars, these young guys, these, you know, are shining right now. And as we see a lot of these Hall of Famers, you know, start to kind of hit the twilight of their careers, start to kind of die down. You know, obviously last year we had Kobe and Duncan retire which was huge for the league. I mean, that's a that's a milestone year to have those two guys go out, especially Kobe going out the way he did. Uh, you know, one year ago, uh, yesterday, was when he had his big 60-point game. So, you know, and we see, you know, right now we're seeing Dirk, you know, kind of getting near the end. He's still chugging along, though. I'll give him credit. Dirk's still playing pretty well. And, you know, Paul Pierce is going to be retiring this season. And he's been one of the best players in the league for a long time. And the league as a whole, the popularity is just very high. It's it's in a good spot. I mean, if 
you know, Chicago Cubs didn't mess around and beat a, you know, break their hundred year drought of winning a World Series. Basketball is, you know, fighting baseball right now, I think, for popularity. I mean, it's, you know, because nobody's going to get the NFL. Nobody's going to touch that for a long time because America is just the NFL's domain. Uh, ultimately, it's going to be very hard to, to touch the NFL. But the NBA is, is in a really awesome place right now. And I'm really looking forward to these playoffs. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I'm looking forward to these playoffs. I think it's going to be, they're going to be a lot of good series. And I'll, you know, I'll mention my predictions at the end of each series that I go through. And a lot of these, I, you know, I was looking at them and, and I kept putting teams, you know, winning this team winning at six, this team winning at seven. I didn't really have that many sweeps. I don't know if I even had a sweep, actually. I think I had one team win in five games. But I don't think I had a sweep. And now, granted, I'll probably be wrong. I mean, there'll probably be two sweep, two or three sweeps. Uh, but I think it's just that competitive. You know, I didn't even... I mean, I guess I'll get into the Cleveland-Indiana series later. But, you know, normally LeBron will tend to get, you know, those first-round sweeps. He'll normally... You know, his teams will normally tend to do that. I don't have him sweeping. Now, that's also because the Cavs struggled down the stretch. But I don't... I mean, I mean it's... It's just because we're in that good of a league right now. It's very hard. And, you know, I keep talking about it. How about we just get into it? Let's just go. Let's let's do it. So what I'm going to do with this is I'm going to just go down the list of, uh, of seeding. So I'll start with the one seed and then go down, you know, to the two seed series, three seed series, four seed, and that'll be it. So without further ado. The one-seed Boston Celtics against the eight-seeded Chicago Bulls. Game one is on Sunday in Boston at 6.30 p.m. on TNT. So, Isaiah Thomas. Let's talk about him for a second. This guy went from a pretty darn good scoring point guard. You know, he was averaging 22 last year to freaking Allen Iverson. This season, I mean, it really was an insane transformation. Uh, granted, Isaiah's not nearly as good of a defender as Allen was, but there's a lot of similarities. I mean, despite you know his obviously short stature, only five nine, he finds a way to score. He's a you know great three point shooter, but he can find his way into the lane. Shot ninety percent from the free throw line as well. He can get to the line. Averages about nine free throw attempts a game shooting about 38% from three, shoots about nine of those a game as well. And, you know, and he's also a fierce competitor. I mean, you don't become one of the best guys in the fourth quarter if you don't want to win the game, if you're not a competitor. And, you know, he's just been fantastic. Although, again, as I said before, you know, defense wasn't great. But, you know, his scoring is what is what makes sets him apart. And it'll be interesting to see him coming into these playoffs. He, he doesn't have a whole lot of playoff experience. He only went to the playoffs last year with Boston, and that's as far as it extends. But he's shown that he can play in the playoffs. He had a few games uh, last year. They, they got eliminated in the first round by Atlanta, uh, did Boston. 
but you know he had a few games where he had 27 he had a game where he had I think 28 and then he had a 42 point game when the Celtics were in a a 2-0 hole to the Hawks and you know managed to at least keep the series alive for them only had one game where he kind of had a dud he only had seven points uh, but the key question question for the Celtics that I have, you know, regarding Isaiah, I don't think it's as much as of is he going to score, or you know, is is he going to be able to get past Chicago? Because I don't think, I don't think that's going to be the issue. Granted, Chicago is one of the better teams in, or actually, yeah, one of the better teams in defense this year, allowing only 102 points per game. That's sixth best in the league. But. My question isn't really if he's going to score, because he will. That's what great players do. They find a way to score. But how is Brad Stevens, who I think is a great coach, by the way, done a fantastic job since he came into the league, you know, did the college from NBA transition pretty flawlessly, you know, especially with the roster he had in Boston when he got here, when he got there. Uh, But my question is, how is he going to hide Isaiah Thomas on defense? I think it's going to be tough, you know. With this, with this Chicago roster, I, I don't, you know, Rondo has a size advantage, 6'1 versus 5'9. And, I mean, who else, where, where are you going to hide him? you got a lot of tall guys. 6'1, Rondo. 6'4, Dwayne Wade, assuming he starts. Uh, six, Obviously, 6'7, six, Jimmy Butler, you're not going to play him. 6'6, six, six, Denzel Valentine. 6'8, or Paul Zipster, Zipster, but depending on, you know, who they start. Uh, you know, it's going to be difficult for them to hide him. And in the playoffs, ultimately what matters is defense. Yeah, you're going to have guys that can score, of course. But ultimately, you win series by playing defense. So that's my main question for Boston, is where are you going to put them? As for Chicago, I'm excited to see playoff Dwayne Wade. He uh, missed a few games with injury. He had a, I think it was a broken elbow, I'm pretty sure, or fractured elbow, um, for a while there. But he just recently came back into the lineup a little bit. And this will be his first playoff appearance, not in South Beach. Ironically, the Bulls actually eliminated his former team by winning on Wednesday against the Brooklyn Nets. And... Due to tiebreakers, Miami was eliminated, even though they won and fought furiously in their last game. So I'm very interested interested to see playoff Dwayne Wade. Wade had you know kind of an up and down year, obviously a few injuries and the Bulls had a lot of chemistry issues as well. But I'll be really interested to see how you know see if playoff Wade can kind of come alive, you know, and and even maybe you know. Um, channel some of those other series that they've had against the Celtics, you know, back in the old uh, big three days with LeBron and Bosch, you know, they, they had a lot of, there were a lot of great games in, in Boston and, you know, it, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see if we get some playoff Dwayne Wade or if that age starts to show. And another great thing about this series is Rondo is coming back to TD Garden. He's playing playoff basketball in Boston again if not for, you know, however many games the series lasts or however many they play in Boston. But he'll be back there once again. And, you know, Rondo's had 
an up and down year as well. Obviously, for a while, he was getting a lot of DNPs, coach's decision, you know, and it was really struggling to find a spot in the rotation. And then, of course, they the Bulls had a lot of chemistry issues as well. Uh, part of it was because of the things Rondo had said. And, you know, there, there was a lot of just trying to find leadership with this team between Rondo, Jimmy Butler, and Wade. You know, Wade's obviously been a leader in Miami his whole career. So when he comes back, you know, he goes to another team, he expects the same thing. And Jimmy Butler, who's had a phenomenal year and consistently gets better every year, you know, he, he's been in Chicago his whole career. So naturally, he wants it to be his team. You know, Rose left. Joe Kim Noah left. They were, you know, the guys in Chicago for a long time. And I think, you know, I think Jimmy Butler was kind of like, this is my team now. You know, I'm the guy. And then you bring Wade in. And then you also bring in Rondo, who, you know, has always been a floor general and has always been somebody that, you know, kind of demands the ball and likes to move it around. And it, it kind of got difficult because you have these three guys who are great players, but they all want to be the leader. They all want to be the guy. And eventually, I think they managed to figure it out. You know, unfortunately, part of it was Dwayne Wade getting hurt. That kind of helped out, helped kind of iron that out. And then, uh, you know, Rondo made made the starting lineup and has been, you know, playing pretty well ever since. So, ultimately, I think the key players in this series are going to be Rondo. Rondo's going to be one of them. You know, can he channel that that Celtics, you know, that Celtics greatness that he had at TD Garden? Can he do it again? You know, when he did it with Pierce and Garnett, Ray Allen. You know, back then, can he can he kind of bring some of that magic back? And you know, can he or will he not? Or will this team kind of fall apart? You know, and kind of end what's been a rocky year for Chicago. And I think for Boston, the key guy will be Jay Crowder, who is their starting small forward. Uh, he's had a pretty good year, but he's going to have to be the guy that's defending Jimmy Butler. So that's going to be a pretty big that's going to be a pretty big matchup, and that'll ultimately probably decide the series I think the matchup with Butler and I'm I'm guessing Marcus Smart will probably get to check Dwayne Wade I would think you know that'll be probably pretty big as well uh it'll be defense for Boston you know their offense has been the thing that gets a lot of attention because Isaiah Thomas puts up these huge numbers uh but they're middle of the pack in defense they allow 105 Point four points per game. That's literally fifteenth out of thirty in the league. Their defensive rating, not that great. One hundred and eight points per one hundred possessions. That's thirteenth out of thirty. So it's going to be defense for the Celtics. Ultimately, their offense can carry the day. But as I said before, this is the playoffs. You know, you're going to have to play defense to win games. And ultimately. This is a tough one to predict. You know, I could easily see this series going six games, maybe even seven. I'm not really sure. This is one that's kind of kind of a toss-up. I think I thought when I started, you know, doing research, I really kind of thought that Boston was going to win it. But then, you know, I kept looking and I'm thinking, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard to hide Isaiah Thomas on defense. It's going to, it's not going to be easy. 
because the Bulls have a lot of good wing players. That's you know they've got Dwayne Wade and Jimmy Butler. Those are their strengths. And Rondo's been playing better. So, I think ultimately, I'm not going to actually, with all these other series, I've put in, you know, X team in X amount of games. I have a solid prediction. This one, I'm a little, I'm, I'm, I'm a little out of talk. I'm in a crossroads here. I, I don't know. I think we could, uh, I think whoever gets home court, you know, through the first two games, if Boston keeps it, I think they could win it. If Chicago gets it, I think they could win it. United Center is first in the league in attendance this season. 888,882 average attendance, if I'm correct. Granted, I also wanted to say all my stats that I get are via basketballreference.com. I trust them with everything. Uh, A lot of great advanced stats, regular stats, information, things of that. That's where I get all my stuff from. And, yeah, I'm going to leave it at that. That might kind of tick off a lot of Syracuse people here who are big Boston fans that I'm not explicitly saying Boston will win. But I think, it, it, you know, I really don't know. I don't know. It, it's really going to be a toss-up. So, that being said, let's move on to the second series. So, next on the docket is the two-seed defending champion Cleveland Cavaliers against the seventh-seeded Indiana Pacers. That is the first game tomorrow of tomorrow's playoffs. Game one tomorrow in Cleveland at 3 p.m. on ABC. Cleveland barely just got edged out by Boston to get that first seed, and that was on the last day of the regular season. And I still feel that Cleveland is the East favorites, favorites to win the East. Uh, But there is a little cause for concern. They've been stumbling into the playoffs a little bit. Uh, They've lost four straight and seven of their last 11 games. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not about to go against a guy in LeBron James who has made going on looking for his seventh straight finals appearance. You know. I'm not about to do that. But there is a little bit of a cause for concern. Their their D is not their defense has not really been great in in the last uh the last how many the last month or couple weeks. It's not it's not been great and they've just struggled as a team. It's not like you know you look at that seven of the last 11 losses and it's not like they're resting guys particularly. You know, they were trying to get the one seed. They were trying to get that, you know, home court through. And they just couldn't get it. They weren't playing good defense. And just as a team, weren't playing great. But again, LeBron James is still LeBron James. This is still his league. And I I mean, I'm looking... It's still pretty astounding that this guy is 32 years old. And this season averaged 26 points, eight, almost nine assists, 8.7 assists, and almost nine rebounds, 8.6. I mean, and shot 54% from the field, 54.548, so nearly 55%. Insane. I, I mean, that's just, it's crazy. It's crazy. 
And people really, really want to say that he's not battling Jordan for the best player of all time. You know, for a while, I didn't, I didn't believe it either. I had Kobe above him. But, you know, after winning a title last year for his city and, you know, the year before having one of the best – or, you know, the past two years, really, having some of the best statistical finals performances of all time where he just across the board is, you know, dominating games. I mean, and, and obviously the block. I mean, how much can you talk about that play? I jumped out of my seat. When I was when I was watching that that game seven, you know, and he just came from another dimension and sent that thing. But anyway, getting getting off topic. LeBron's still LeBron, and he can turn it on. I I think the Cavs are capable of getting that playoff focus. But you know, it'll for Indiana. Paul George, Paul George is going to have to try. And take advantage of the Cavs defense, you know, that they've been struggling lately. And if, you know, it's hard for a lot of teams to kind of just turn it on like that, you know, it's not easy. And the Cavs very well might not turn it on. They might still play bad on defense. And if Paul George really wants to be, you know, there are a lot of rumors out there that if he doesn't get all NBA this season, he might try and leave Indiana. Well, if you want to be all NBA, beat Cleveland. Take it to them. That'll show people. <laughs> that'll, that'll certainly show a lot of people that you're not messing around. And Paul George can certainly do that. Uh, you know, I really hope from a basketball perspective, from a fan, I, uh, a few years ago, I went to that game in Miami when it was you know, I, I don't recall quite what game it was. It was game five, maybe, or game, I don't know. I don't quite remember which game it was, but it was a it was basically Paul George against LeBron the whole game. You know, Paul George had that huge dunk all over Birdman Anderson, Chris Birdman Anderson. Just, oh, wild. All over him. And then, you know, you had that, I think it was the end of the third quarter, where Paul George hit like a, you know, crazy buzzer-beating shot, or near buzzer, and then LeBron came right back and shot something from, like, almost, I think it was right inside a half court, or it was pretty far out three, and pulled it and just drilled it at the buzzer. Miami went nuts, and LeBron went up to Paul George in a playoff game, granted, and just kind of dapped him up and said, you know, good stuff. I mean, that's entertaining. I really hope we can get another another series like that where it's just Paul George and LeBron going at it and also on a lighter note the basketball gods have given us a gift by having the Pacers sign Lance Stevenson right before the playoffs oh man oh man this is gonna be great if you don't remember a couple of years ago I don't know if it was quite the same series it might have been but Lance Stevenson had to check LeBron a lot or, you know, decided to. And the blowing in the face when LeBron is hands on his knees, just, you know, tired. And Lance Stevenson just is trying to get in his head the whole time. I mean, it was just comical. That gif, gif, however you want to 
however you want to pronounce it, is just legendary. That's like a top. That's like a top ten sports GIF, GIF, whatever. <laughs> I mean, it's just hilarious, and we get that again. We get a whole another round of it. Now I don't know if it'll be in you know however many games it'll be, but it's gonna be fun. That'll be that'll be a fun a fun little storyline in this in this series. I'll go to my key players for this one. I think Miles Turner will be a key player for Indiana. He's going to be, you know, going up against Tristan Thompson. Miles Turner averages 14 points a game, seven rebounds, and two blocks, 2.1. So, you know, proving that he can be a shot-blocking threat, that'll be pretty big, you know, with a guy like Kyrie Irving who can penetrate the lane and finish in ways that are seem physically impossible, but he doesn't. You know, and he's not dunking it like Russ is. You know, he's not storming down the lane and throwing it down. Kyrie's the guy that's just the finesse, where he just, you know, finds a way to lay it up. Uh, One of the best in the league at that. So Miles Turner will be a key player, you know, to kind of help Paul George maybe a little bit with the scoring and on the defensive end, blocking shots. And I think for the Cavs, I'm going to throw a guy out there that I don't know if people are going to agree with me as that he could be a key player. But I'm going to say Darren Williams. They, I think they signed him or traded for him. I don't remember which uh, this season. And he hasn't gotten a you know whole lot of time. I think he's averaging like 20 minutes a game. And, but I think because Jeff Teague is coming into the playoffs with you know an ankle injury, that maybe he you know off the bench can try and provide some scoring, provide some playmaking. I mean, Darren Williams, how many years ago, was one of the best point guards in the league. Yeah, he was up there. It was him and Chris Paul. I think people forget. Him and Chris Paul were two of the best players, two of the best point guards in the league at one point. Darren Williams' crossover is was, was, you know, filthy. And then he got traded to the wasteland of basketball that is the Nets franchise and Although it's not fully their fault. Williams also had a lot of injuries. Heck of a lot of injuries. That kind of hobbled him. And, you know, he was under a lot of pressure once they moved to Brooklyn, too. Being under now in New York media. But I look for him. I want to see if maybe he can take it. He's maybe a low-key guy that could take advantage of the Pacers in certain ways. And for my prediction for this one, I'm going to go... With Cleveland, again, as I said, they're still the East favorites. LeBron James is still LeBron James. The guy's made six straight finals appearances going on seven. I see no reason that he won't make it past the second round, or past the first round, excuse me. Uh, But I'm saying they're going to win it in six games, which may surprise people because I think a lot of people are probably expecting a sweep. But again, as I said, Cavs defense struggling. Paul George is a great player. You know, so that's that's what I'm looking at. Cavs in six. Let's move on to series number three. And now we're moving on to the third series. It'll be the three-seeded Toronto Raptors against the six-seeded Milwaukee Bucks. Game one is tomorrow in Toronto at 5.30 p.m. Eastern time. On ESPN. 
So, Toronto, the six. Ironically playing the six seed, Milwaukee Bucks. It's been a career year for DeMar DeRozan. He's been pretty great. 27 points per game. I think he was, for most of the year, or if not still, he was top five in scoring in the NBA, which is a pretty big jump to go from, you know, 23 to 27. You know, it's a whole five points. And he's also been, he was also extremely clutch this year in a lot of situations. Early in the season, he was just on fire. He had, you know, I, I wrote about it. I'm also a writer for studentsectionsports.com. It's a Syracuse school or Syracuse University based uh, sports magazine online publication. And I wrote about, you know, had my, my picks for midseason awards. I think I'll do another podcast show on that later in the year. Uh, because the NBA awards for the first time are going to be in June this year instead of normally they're right around now. You know, they'll normally at around the first round of this playoffs after the regular season, they do the awards, but this year they're doing it differently. Um, and speaking of Toronto, Drake is hosting it. So there you go. Um, but yeah, in that piece, in that article for midseason awards, I originally had DeMar DeRozan as uh, the winner for the most improved player. Which, I mean, looking back, I definitely should have had Giannis uh, because he's been phenomenal. But the reason I picked DeRozan was because, you know, Toronto was playing phenomenal in the first half of the year. They were 30 and 11 through 40, you know, 30 and 12, 31 and 11, something like that, through half of the season. They were playing great ball. And I mean, I, I figured, you know, DeMar, DeMar was a lot of the reason why. He had a lot of clutch shots down the stretch early in the year. He had a lot. He had, I think, six straight games or so where he had thirty, at least thirty points. That's pretty great. And of course, his running partner Kyle Lowry has been consistent. He averaged, I think, twenty-two points a game this year. Um, had a little bit of injury issues, but for the most part, you know, played most of the year. Um, and then another big guy that really helped Toronto in the second half of the year. You know, DeRozan was great in the first half. Second half of the year, they traded for Serge Ibaka. And Serge got out of the basketball wasteland that is Orlando. And, you know, played pretty well for Toronto. Uh, Toronto's GM had wanted him for a long time. And they got him. And Serge, you know, proved to be great. A lot of people were saying, you know, maybe that's they got Ibaka for LeBron. Not not to defend him, but you know, for the sense of when they would have to play Cleveland, in the, you know, in the playoffs, you need a great defender. You need a guy that can get rebounds, block some shots, you know, stretch the floor. And Ibaka can certainly do that. Early in his career in OKC, he was kind of you know dunking on everybody and you know getting a lot of inside shots. Now he's more of an outside player, and he can stretch the floor with the mid range, the three point game, and he's really helped Toronto since he's been there. But yeah, Raptors have had a great year. Obviously, they're a three seed. And Giannis. Let's move to Milwaukee and talk about, oh, Giannis Attentacupo. I think I said it right. I hope I did. I believe, I don't know if people agree with me, I believe Giannis is going to be the best player in the league in a couple of years down the road. I'm thinking two to three. I mean, already, he was up there this season. Uh, he was fifth, the fifth player in NBA history 
to lead his team in the five main categories or what people most people believe to be the five five main statistics points rebounds assists steals and blocks led the team and he joins lebron dave cohen's of the boston celtics pre larry bird era i think it was 77 78 uh scotty pippen and kg back when he was in uh minnesota so he's the, he joins them as the only the fifth player in NBA history to lead in five major stats. And Giannis is just he's so unique. The length that he has and the things that he can do with the ball are just so that's why I love the league right now because there're just so many guys that can just do incredible things with the basketball. I mentioned mentioned Russ a couple times, a guy that can just fire down the lane and throw throw a jam in your face. You know, I mentioned Kyrie, a guy that can, you know, cross you up and somehow, you know, shimmy through a defense and, you know, get a get a finger roll. And Giannis is a guy that just, so interesting. The length that he has, the guy could dunk from the free throw line if he wanted to. And there are a few plays this year where he's done things like that, where he just, he dunk, he takes two steps almost from like half court and gets to the lane. I mean, it's phenomenal. Ser- I mean, seriously, he, he, I think he, there are a few places here where he's taken his first step has been at about the three point line. And then his second step is, he's so long that his second step is about three quarters, you know, like he's right around the free throw line when he takes that second step. And then the, the dunk, because his arms are so freaking long, he can just, you know, go over it and dunk on someone. It's pretty phenomenal. And, you know, his jump shot needs work still. But, you know, that'll come in time. He's only a few years into the league. And I I love this Milwaukee team. I love them because they're long and they just, you know, they've got good players. I was, I was a little sad that Jabari Parker got, you know, was hurt, messed his knee up again and was out for the year because I think if – if he had been in this series, I think Milwaukee would win it. I really do. And that's not knocking Toronto because Toronto's a great team. That's just because I think Milwaukee would, ooh, man. With the amount of guys, you know, they, they got Chris Middleton back. They didn't have him when Jabari was playing. And, you know, Malcolm Brogdon has been playing great. I think he should win Rookie of the Year. Um, I thought Joel Embiid would, but, you know, then he got hurt again, so... You kind of have to give it to somebody that's been playing the whole year. And I think it should be Malcolm Brogdon. But, which speaking of Brogdon, he's one of my key players for this series. Um, Great defender, unselfish player, shot threes pretty well this year. Um, I don't think a lot of people expected a lot from him, you know, but he really came on and has been pretty great for Milwaukee and there's a bright future for that guy the president (laughs) took the nickname of the 2k17 my player (laughs) of course and for Toronto I would say their key player for this series is going to be Jonas Valanciunas (sighs) what is there to say about him you know he I think a lot of us are just waiting for him to have a great series he's had a few games in the playoffs where he's been great but, I mean, if, if you know, if you get those three, if you get 
Lowry, DeRozan, and Valanciunas to play well. I mean, if he, he Valanciunas is skilled. He's a skilled big, and he gets rebounds, and he plays defense. You know, if you can get him to just have some great production, then Toronto, I mean, Toronto's going at least to the conference finals. And, you know, might try and give Cleveland a run for their money. But, although actually, now that I think about that, that wouldn't work out because they would have to play Cleveland in the second round. So, but I mean, they would, you know, maybe give Cleveland a solid, a solid run. Um, you know, and make it a little more difficult on them. But he still hasn't had an all-around great series. So, if he can do that, sky's the limit for Toronto. And my prediction for this series, the irony all around, Toronto, the sixth side, winning in six. So, finally, we will move on to our last series. And finally, wrapping up the Eastern Conference portion of the 2017 NBA playoffs, first round, we'll have the fourth-seeded Washington Wizards against the fifth-seed Atlanta Hawks. Game one will be on Sunday in Washington at 1 p.m. That game will be on TNT. So the Wizards... Brad Beal really came into his own this year. You know, for a while, I think people were just really hoping, you know, they had visions when Beal was drafted of this John Wall, Brad Beal, great backcourt, where they would just, you know, be great. And for a while, due to, you know, a lot of injury trouble with Brad Beal and things like that, he hasn't really, you know, made that a reality. But this season, he showed it. He showed it a little bit. Played 77 games most of his career. And had a career-high 23 points a game. Pretty great stuff. Also shot a career-high field goal percentage. 48%. And shot near his career-high in three-point percentage. Shot the most threes of his career per game. Seven. And, you know, really played well. And that was that was a big thing for Washington. They had a great stretch there where they were playing great basketball. So was Brad Beal. It's a bigger reason why they were playing great basketball. And then, of course, you've got the other part of that backcourt. John Wall, who has been fantastic this season. I mean, really great. Career highs in points, assists, steals. And field goal percentage. Shot 23, or 23 points per game. Two steals. About two steals. 2.1. 10.7 assists. That's a career high. And 45% from the field. Pretty great. All-star for the fourth straight year. You know, finally, you know, knock on wood. Looking like maybe those injury woes might be a little bit behind him past four seasons he's played 82 games 79 77 and this year 78 so he's really been uh he's been balling so that's atlanta that's washington excuse me <laughs> now to atlanta i mean there's not much more to talk about with washington um 
They don't have a great bench or anything like that. But to Atlanta, team chock full of underrated players, in my view. You know, Paul Millsap has been a guy that's been really underrated. Not a whole lot of people talk about him when you, you know, talk about best power forwards in the game. But, I mean, average 18 points, 7 rebounds, or almost 8 rebounds. All-star for the fourth straight year. Pretty great. Really been pretty consistent since he's been in Atlanta. That guy that they can go to. Tim Hardaway has been playing pretty great. He's pretty underrated. 14 points a game this year. But, you know, it was kind of, you know, started 30 games as well. But his second half of the year was where he was really, really good. And, you know, I'm even I'm even going to throw out Dwight Howard as being pretty underrated this year, which sounds a little crazy. A lot of people might disagree. But the guy still averaged a double-double. I mean, hey, if you can get a center like that, and he played 74 games, that's pretty good. That's the most most he's played since uh, since 2012 when he was in L.A. That dreadful season in L.A. when he had played 76 games. And he started all of them. You know, all 74 that he's played in. It's hard, you know, in this day to have a great center. There are not a whole lot of them. But if you can get a guy that can average a double-double, you know, you're in rare company. But for Atlanta... You know, I mentioned that there's a lot of underrated guys. That's because they don't have a star. They're a good team. So, naturally, we're not talking about, you know, one or two of those guys. It's because they're a great team. And that's testament to head coach Mike Budenholzer, a Popovich disciple. So, naturally, he's going to have a team with great ball movement and, you know, a smart team. But they need, Atlanta needs a star. You know, they keep just getting these middle-of-the-pack seedings in playoff games and or playoff series. And, you know, a good team without a superstar is just not going to make it. You're not going to make it past the second round. You know, good teams, the teams that make it, the Clevelands. I mean, I guess I'll go off the East. You know, Cleveland, Toronto, you know. Those teams, they've, they've got multiple stars. They've got LeBron, Kyrie, Kevin Love, DeMar DeRozan, Kyle Lowry. You know, you've, you the, you know all the good teams. I mean, if you go to the West, you know, you have Golden State, obviously, is the prime example of that. But, you know, and San Antonio is just a whole different story because of Popovich. But, you know, Clippers, they normally can get at least past the first round. Normally can't get past the second but, I mean, they have, you know, three stars. Griffin, Chris Paul, DeAndre Jordan. Bottom line, you know, good teams, teams that make it in the playoffs have a superstar. And if you don't have one, you're not going to make it that far. You're not going to make it that far in the playoffs. You need a guy that you can go to when the whole team is struggling. And you can just get that one guy who, you know, that Paul George, that LeBron, that DeMar DeRozan. You know, who can just say, okay, Isaiah Thomas this year. You know, who can say, all right, it's my time. Atlanta doesn't have that guy. They haven't had him for a while. But I think the key for Atlanta will be their defense. They're a pretty good defensive team this year. 
they were fourth in defensive rating. Uh, only 105 points per 100 possessions. That's fourth best in the league. They only allowed 104 points per game, which is 10th out of 30, so it's the better third. And you're going to need it when you're playing a guy with a speed like John Wall and shooting ability like Brad Beal. So look for Atlanta's defense to be what carries them in this series. You know, I don't think it'll be offense. But if they can lock down, as I've I mean, I've said it how many times in just this podcast alone, defense is important in the playoffs. And if, you know, Atlanta is a pretty good one. So if they can lock down, they'll have a good chance of advancing. So my key players for this series, I would say, for the Wizards, it's kind of just the small forward position in general. Um, and I'm talking Otto Porter and Kelly Oubre Jr. Uh, Otto Porter's had a pretty good season. He's had, if I'm not mistaken, I think he's had a career year. He, he's been pretty fantastic. And, or not, maybe not fantastic, but he's had a good year. Better than, better than what he's had before. 13 points, 6 rebounds, uh, 1.5 steals. I mean, just he's played well. Played the most games of his career. Played 32 minutes a game. So, you know, he'll be a pretty he'll be he'll be a key guy. Maybe somebody that can give them some scoring or give them important plays. And then Kelly Oubre, who will come off the bench. Uh, you know, had the most minutes of his career increased by a whole 10 minutes in minutes per game. Started a couple games this season. I think those guys will be big. Washington has struggled with bench scoring. So, I mean, really anybody that comes off the bench and scores for them is going to be a key. Because when you don't have Wall and you don't have Beal on the floor, who are you going to go to? Markeith Morris? Eh, probably not. Gortat? Doubt it. So, that's what I'm thinking. I think bench scoring is going to be big for them. Kelly Porter, look for Kelly Porter, Kelly, or uh, Otto Porter, Kelly Ubre. sorry. And for Atlanta, I'm going to look to Kent Bazemore as the key guy. Atlanta announced their starting lineup, and they're going to put Tim Hardaway Jr. in the lineup. He's going to be in the starting lineup. Kent Bazemore started, I think, most of the season and played pretty well. I think he's averaged like 13 a game or so. Uh, I'll check that but he'll be a key he'll be somebody if he can come off the bench oh 11 points sorry 11 points a game for Kent Bazemore but he'll be he'll be a he'll be a key guy I think if he can give them some scoring off the bench you know give Atlanta something when they don't have Tim Hardaway in you know and maybe other people go cold I think he'll be big so ultimately my prediction for this one, as I've said, you know, I said at the beginning of the pod, I was pretty amazed that most of these series I had going, you know, six, seven games. I didn't really have any going five, which I could very well be wrong. But I think this series will definitely be an inter- a close one. It'll be, you know, fought, well fought series. 
I'm going to go with the Wizards in six. And again, it's because of, you know, what I said with Atlanta. You need a star. I think the Wizards have shown this year with, you know, Brad Beal's production, they might have two of them. And yeah, they might not have a great bench, but I think John Wall and Brad Beal are capable of carrying the day for Washington. So that'll do it. The inaugural show of Off the Dome. Hope you enjoyed it. I don't know if you agreed with me, but I don't think that's really important. I'm just here to talk about sports. You can agree with me if you want. I hope you agree with me. I'll have a show. Next show will be the Western Conference. I'll preview that. I might get into Star Wars a little bit as well. You know, I mentioned I might get into some pop culture stuff every once in a while. The trailer came out for Episode Eight, The Last Jedi, today. And I have no clue where they're going with this with this next movie. Not a clue. They really didn't give us a whole lot. I mean, they, Ray and Luke are still on that island planet. They're in the same place they were when the episode seven ended. So, I don't know. We'll see. I might touch on that a little bit. And I'll get in, obviously, to the Western Conference. So I hope you enjoyed the show. I'm John Dowling. Thanks for listening. <laughs>